0: Hi guys, welcome back for the final time. This is episode 8. We are the Skeleton Twins. Our podcast is for Anthropology 355, Bioarchaeology of Death, for Dave Hopwood at Vancouver Island University. My name is Casey Moore and I'm here virtually with Claire Cunningham. On today's episode, I will be bringing us to central Brazil to understand the importance of cave burials. For me, I find cave rails a sign of protection, as if someone wanted to leave the remains there in order for them to not get touched or removed, or perhaps they're used to prevent scavengers. That way, no one is able to ruin the remains. The first site I'd like to focus on is Lapa do Santo, which is located in the northern part of the Lago Santa Curse, the state of Minas Gerais and Eastern Central Brazil. Pardon my pronunciation. Lapa de Santo Cave is an archaeological site where not only human remains have been found, but also megalofauna have also been found. The site has attracted multiple uh, amounts of attention from archaeologists as well as paleontologists. Lapa de Santo is a sheltered cave roughly around 1,300 meters squared beneath the slope of 30 meters high limestone mass- massif whereas the southern part of the shelter is relatively flat, high, and dry. According to Strauss and other researchers, the site was infested with all different kinds of species, ranging from lizards, fish, rodents, armadillos, which is a pig-like mammal, and deer that were brought back to the site. Archaeologists also found remnants from bone artifacts, which according according to Strauss is common for central Brazil at this time. During the excavation, they found 198 bone artifacts or fragments, including spatulas, bruins, and fish hooks. When the excavations began, there were a total of 26 human burials that were discovered. The burials were then separated into different groups depending on chronological and shared characteristics. Layer 2a consisted of burials 21 and 26 which dated back to 9.4 to 9.6 ky cal bp. Layer 2b consisted of burials 9, 14, 17, 18, and 23. Layer 2C was then des- designated to represent the isolated bones that were found in this cave site. Finally, layer three, which includes burials six, seven, 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 19, and 22. These remains are dated back to 8.2 to 8.6 KY Cal BP. In burial 21, the mid-shafts of both the tibia and the fibula were chopped and removed while while soft tissue was still present. Burial 26 is a decapitated head with the first six cervical vertebrae articulated in an anatomical position. The hyoid bone is missing and both the hands are amputated and placed over the face after reviewing the electron microstriations and a V-shaped transversal profile, which indicated the use of stone flakes as the cutting agent. With all this information, it indicates that these remains of layer 2A was involved in a mutilation of corpses. So at this moment, let's stop and discuss the data that was presented above. These barrows were purposely thought out, perhaps could be considered ritualistic, the burials were not by themselves, and the dating is overlapping, which this, I assume, the site to be popular for this particular area. Perhaps it was a grave or ritual site where in which these actions could take place. For myself, I find the most interesting when reflecting on burial 21, with the tibia and the fibula being removed, and burial 26, where in which the head and the cervical vertebrae were removed. Now I'd like to focus on the other remains. In the other remains, there are different, there are evidence of burning, deflashing, red pigment and chopping and removing of teeth. In burials 17 and 18, the teeth are both extracted intentionally. According to Strash, burial 23 was composed of a cranium cowlet, which is um, technically like a cranial skull. And that was filled with 50 permanent and 30 dentitious teeth. Some of which belong to the skull of burial 17, whereas in burial 14 the remains were covered in red pigment. Burials 14, 17, and 18 comprised of a bundle of postcranial bones from one or two individuals, deposited in the cranium and/or mandible of different individuals. While tons of infant and postcranial bones were found next to an adult cranium in burial 14 and 17. Now I'd like to take some time and discuss over um, the data that I just presented to you. One of the things that I find extremely interesting is the fact that burial 17 had the teeth removed and then was purposely placed in the skull boat of burial 23. That to me just seems like a ritualistic act since the one individual had to have been passed before another, I'm my my big question is could of the could these remains could have they have known each other, maybe a possible sign of kinship between these groups. Now I'm just gonna jump into layer number three. So layer number three, the burials are characterized by a shallow and circular pits that are filled with mainly of disarticulated bones of single individuals of various sexes and ages. Within these burials, some remains had evidence of purposely broken midshafts along their long bones. According to Strauss and other researchers, the the accumulation of burials, they must be understood as a long-term process, resulting from the association between formal prescriptions for treating the dead and the nature of Lapa do Santo as a a persistent place. Archaeologists believe that the site represents multiple ritual aspects that occurred during these burials for instance in layer three there's a burial wherein which the process is delayed which indicates the body was able to decompose in another area until almost completely decayed and then the bones were brought to lapido santo site and deposited into a circular pit now i just like to discuss a little bit about that burial because that to me was the biggest sign of how This site shows people coming back and forth. It is consistent. Um, Since that this burial was decomposed in another area, that to me brings up a whole, whole different idea of the way we bury our dead, the way we treat our dead and the way people are represented. Could this person have died on their own and they brought the remains back just to this site? Could they have known each other? I just think that this particular um, burial shows that it's more than just placing of the remains years after years and coming back to it. It is It, it shows that there is some recognition for the person who, who, who passed. To conclude, with all of the evidence in this cave site, It is clear that we can tell that these individuals use this cave for a long period of time. According to Strass and other researchers, between 12.7 and 11.7 KY Cal BP and 8.3 to 8.0 KY Cal BP, the Lapo do Santo region was occupied by archaic generalized foragers who depended highly on plants for nutrients, as well as hunted small to medium sized mammals. Not only does this cave have burials There are presence of people returning after remains have been placed. Therefore, I believe during this time, these individuals used this cave in order to perform perform their rituals when it came to burying their dead. Now I'd like to jump right in into our question and discussion um, part of this segment. I'd first like to bring up the fact that I didn't have much on the sex for these individuals. I think that might have been because of lack of evidence or lack of what was there. I just didn't have it in the article that I had. However, I don't think that the sex of the individual is what's important about this site or the individuals itself. I think what's important about this site is that one, it was buried in a cave, it was, it's in a cave, For two, um, there's multiple individuals, and three, there's remnants of people coming back and revisiting these remains. So the questions that I wanna start off today, for the first one that I would like to start off with would be, why do you think people are coming back to the same spot? Does the cave hold a significance? Answer this question for myself. I, I believe people are coming back to this spot because I think it was of high importance. I think it was more than just a cave. The fact that, um, the fact that there's multiple individuals buried and that they're buried in such different ways, like the bodies, things are removed, things are taken away. There was a body who was decomposed somewhere else and then brought back to this cave site. So in the end, I believe, yes, this cave does hold a significance. To know what that significance is, I think that would be a difficult and challenging thing since we don't have informants or we don't have people from that time. However, I think with all the evidence that's pointing towards this site, I think it shows that this site was more than just a place to dump bodies. It was, it had to have been ritualistic. It had to have been something more than just a cave. What do you think, Claire? I agree.
1: I think there must be a significance somewhere in there about the fact that people keep coming back to bury their individuals here. Whether that is a significance towards the hierarchy of individuals. Perhaps if they hold a certain place within society, they are chosen to go back to the cave. Maybe it can tell us something about their social status. Maybe it can tell us something about their ancestry. For example, if certain family members are buried there, then when the person dies, they are taken to be buried with their family members. Perhaps it could be totally opposite and it could show the poorer, less significant societal role an individual had because perhaps they were a servant or something of that occupation that they could have been buried there, not because of royalty, because of the opposite or vice versa. So I do think that that for sure can give us a tell into the lifestyle and society of the population some some things that come to my mind and I would I would love to dive further into this and try to understand perhaps the landscape around it and look at the landscape archaeology and I wonder if there's a significance of the cave itself why why is it in a cave is it because we want the remains to be covered or something like that I would look at the geographically location of the cave where is it in Brazil where does that have a significant hold on the reason that individuals are buried there or something like that.
0: I agree with everything that you said there. I um, I think it's a really important factor is that like a lot of information is missing when it comes to the site and more about that site. Um, however, now i just like to jump into our next question. Um, if they were practicing different rituals, do you think that there are some that could not be present with these findings? What do you think about that, Claire?
1: I think that for sure there must be information missing from this. I really thought it was crazy the individual who was decapitated and just like you said how the treatment of each individual ended up being something different whether that is the dismemberment of their body or the, the placement of where they were, where they decomposed and things like that because that has such a variance and there's so many high jumps Rather than that, each individual is kind of on the same line of their treatment, because that there's so many, so much variance in that. I would say for sure that there had to be either a meaning behind why the person was buried the way they were, because it's so different from their counterpart, or that there's so much information still out there, especially coming back to the person that was decapitated, where is the rest of their body? Something kind of, it seems like a simple question, but that's such a huge thing. Only finding a skull is crazy in archeological context, because there's so much information, just like you said, meaning, pardon me, showing that there wasn't a lot of evidence about sexing these individuals. Well, when you only have a skull to look at, and there's only those little, little remnants of remains, it leaves out such a huge kind of blank in the picture in order to come to the conclusion about how these people lived their lives and what they were like and what their rituals and methods were and processes were. So I would say for sure, whether it's in another location in another cave or something like that, or I don't know, but I would assume that there's lots of information missing. What about you?
0: I, I agree with you 100%. Like, the fact that, that there is so much going on shows me that there's could be so much more. The fact that we're missing so much means that we're missing so much more. And mm-hmm. that could give us so much more information about what's going on with that site, how long, and everything like that. So I think, I think with the idea with what we have, it showcases a lot. It showcases so much that went on. I agree. And it's I-
1: not just... I think it's really interesting the the missing information gives you so much information which I think exactly. is really cool in this context. Yeah, like,
0: no, and this one for sure. This one like I think it's the lack of information that gives you like I don't know, it makes you it drives me crazy the lack mm. of information because I want to know more about this site because it's so insane, I guess or not insane or it's more like it's just different from what i i would never personally would never mutilate bodies after death so
1: i have a question for you kind of just to keep the ball rolling was there any types of grave goods able to be looked at in the cave
0: there wasn't any grave goods it was just more on how the bodies were um buried themselves so the fact that there was decapitation the fact that there was red pigment and color differentiation so i guess like that I would consider, I wouldn't consider it a grave good, but there was no offerings or anything like that. So that's also another thing to bring in the fact of the fact that there was no offerings. Like, exactly, could this, like, could this have been a site for people who mistreated or something like that because of the bodies and how they were so altered after death.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to know. Cause again, Bridging from the fact that no information is information, I think it would be something to look at and a road to go down the fact that there isn't grave goods or the fact that there isn't any kind of perhaps a weapon, perhaps a memoir object, perhaps a this, perhaps a that. Like there's not the fact that it's not there makes me think of then again, why were they buried in the cave or who were they, their social status, things like that
0: i agree and this um i guess leads us into my final question for you so um oh i could also start off so i go why do you think the mutilation of the bodies occurred um personally for me like i think that they occurred because of what the what was going on in that area and with the people i assume there's something more that's delved deep into that i assume that there would be a ritual aspect behind that. The fact that it's in a cave, the fact that there's decapitated individuals, the fact that there's um, different colorations on the bones, there's teeth removed, everything like that. I think it occurred, I guess, I would have to bend it down to ritual or social aspect of revolving around their death and how they represent body uh, how they represent the person after their death so maybe maybe by doing this they wanted the remains to be found so then that way when they were found they could be questioned for what they represent right like for me at least I I question a lot about this site I question I question why I question how I question everything it's but. The fact is that we're missing so much, so I think the mutilation of the bodies are there to represent for us to question and us to kind of guess what could have happened and what could have occurred in this area. Um, What do you think, Claire?
1: I think that the mutilation of bodies could have occurred for a number of reasons. Um, This personally takes me back to the research we did in episode one with the Vikings. We knew that... It, there's a possibility of mutilation when we were researching the landscape and the time period from the Vikings, knowing that there was a lot of movement between people and perhaps war and battles. there, Therefore, it would make sense to have a presence of mutilation in remains. However, for this research and in Brazil, it makes me think if there were neighboring populations or if there were Perhaps animals that the population interacted with, or maybe that they had a significant animal that they ate or hunted or th- something like that, mutilation could have come from that. Mutilation, I, I would look into the diet and the, the staples, the resources that they have around them. Perhaps mutilation come, can come from the pathology and in the diseases and stuff like that. The dismemberment makes me think of if there could have been signs of conflict in the society or if there were rituals in place obviously we we can't know for sure which rituals are in place and why they were there but if the dismemberment is for just the death treatment was the dismemberment after the person died was it post-mortem or was it involved in something when the person was alive and then the remains were carried to the cave like that um, are all kinds of questions
0: that uh, that I would take into consideration. Now I'd like to move on to our second part of this podcast, which is not in Brazil, however, right next to it, Peru. The reason I chose this site is because I had a difficulty finding a site in Brazil that I could compare with Lapa do Santo. This cave site is called Lake Coca. Augusto Cardo excavated this site in several campaigns between 1958 and the early 1960s. During the excavation, it revealed a burial site of 11 humans, 8 adults, and 3 sub-adults. Kardec's team found a remnants of lithic tools, burnt and unburnt animal bones. According to the Smiths' article, Kardec initially obtained two radiocarbon dates from the lower layers of the tyladine isotopes, suggesting that all barrows were older than 8,100 uncalibrated radiocarbon years. Lake Laricocca is a very important site because it's one of the first to showcase evidence of early Holocene presence presence of humans. The human remains found in the cave were discovered in two distinct areas. Individuals 2, 3, and 4 were found at the entrance to the rock shelter at a depth of 2.7 to 3.15 meters. All of the individuals are placed in flex positions. The adult burials had small amounts of grave goods, such as two lithic tools and mammal bones, whereas the sub adult burials were consisted of a full assortment of grave goods, including pieces of ochre, stone, bone, calcinated mammal bone, food, and pearls. For example, red ochre was found next to individual 9, yellow ochre in grave 10. And individual 11 was covered in grains of iron oxide. Individuals 1, 2, and 6 show postcranial evidence that they are very robust with firm muscle attachments. Three examinations were done on the remains that were less damaged. Individuals 2, 6, and 8 were examined by Marcelo Bermidia in the early 1960s. The study showed that the early Holocene skulls were dolichocephalic meaning that their heads were long and narrow. There have been many studies that have incorporated these individuals to represent early Holocene to pre-ceramic Paleo-American inhabitants. The other individual has an artificial occipital flattening of the skull. According to Smitsch and other researchers, this particular individual is considered to be the oldest case of artificial cranial modification in South America. One investigation took place due from a misconception of the date as the remains, suggesting that it was younger than it was. The initial morphological and morphometic investigations revealed that the findings supported the early to mid Holocene of Larry Coca, but also suggested continuous activity throughout history. Cardic's mixture of burnt and unburnt bone revealed out to mainly consist of mainly bone apatite, which likes to exchange radiocarbon with the surrounding soil. With their findings, it showcases that Lake Laricoca was rich in carbonate. According to Schmitz and the other researchers, they performed a new series of morphological and craniometric analysis on individuals 1, 2, 6, and 8, which confirmed Bermidia's observation that an incomplete skull of an 8,500-year-old individual 8 is indeed dolichocephalic. Individual two has a mesophalic skull, which was an average shape during this time period, while the partial skull of individual six is inconclusive. We also found that the latter skull does not date to the early Holocene but the late Holocene, and cannot be definitively classified as an artificially deformed skull. The younger date coincides with the wider spread of this cultural practice during the late archaic and formative period in the Central Andes. Individual 2 showed advanced degenerative changes to the head of the right radius and the second intermetatarsal joint. Intermetatarsal arthritis is not frequent, which means that the severe changes in the individual might be due to activities that overstress the feet. As well as individual 2 who had an erosion on the posterior surface of the femoral condyles and the tibial imprints, which suggests that this person was in the squatting position for a long duration of time. Skeletons 2 and 8 both have evidence of infection. The maxilla of individual 8 has a strong active bone that extends to the palatine surface and the floor of the right nasal cavity. Since this is a localized lesion, it was was possibly transmitted from the teeth, whereas individual 2 has a chronic infection in the area of muscle attachment at the elbow and knee. In my opinion, Lake Larry Coca is a distinct site. It allows us to understand how they represented their dead, how they were buried, where they were buried. The fact that they were buried in a shelter showcases that maybe they wanted some protection, as well as the individuals being in a flex position. For those of you who don't know, the flex position is when the individuals' our knees are brought to their chest. Whenever I see this at a burial site, I automatically think that someone cared. Someone cared about this individual enough to put them into a position where, in fact, maybe the remains wouldn't get ruined, or something wouldn't happen to the remains. Also, I like to bring up the fact that the grave goods, there's a rich, rich amount of grave goods for the sub-adults. However, for the real adults, there's not that many at all, let alone nothing, like two... Two um, two lithic tools and mammal bones. Whereas the subadults had ochre, they had stone, they had bone tools and mammal bone and food and perils. It just blows my mind to see two different um, two different graves, two different. It just blows my mind to see two different kinds of grave styles at this one site. The fact that one's enriched with grave goods, whereas the other is not, are they of any higher importance? Are they of, or are they just the same? In the end, Lake Laricocca was dated to thirty. In the end, Lake Coca was dated to twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred C Y R. This site showcases different morphological markers that allow us to analyze their livelihood. The variety of dates from Lake Laricoca showcases that the individuals cannot be reflected as a single biological population. Now I'd like to move on to my questions. Now moving on to our question part of this segment. The first question I have for this episode is based around caves. Why do you personally think that these individuals buried their dead in these caves? Do you think it was of ritualistic behavior, maybe it was out of convenience, maybe it was out of protection. What do you think? Personally, I think for myself, I think caves are a sign of protection. I think putting a body into a cave purposely showcases that you're willing to move this body from where they were killed or where they've died And put it into somewhere where maybe something wouldn't happen to them. For instance, rodents or birds or someone else coming in and destroying that area. Destroying that grave. Whereas you have a cave, I find that you have more access. You have more little ways to sneak around. Or where you could put something where it couldn't get injured or couldn't get affected. Even though there are some cases where in which rodents and other mammals get in and attack the remains, it doesn't mean that putting these individuals in these caves that it's going to happen. I think the fact that they did that, it showcases that these individuals wanted to make sure that these remains were kept safe and cared for. What do you think, Claire?
1: I think that based on my understanding of the knowledge and My, you know, ideas of Brazil, I would like to think that the fact that burials are in caves can represent a large portion of the environmental aspects of this research, knowing that Brazil has a lot of mountainous areas and a lot of cliff cave terrain in, on, in that country, I think that could have a potential relationship with why there's burials in caves, because that would be their surrounding environment, opposed to some of the other areas of our research, whether it's, you know, tundra or terrain or really flat sand dry, you know, that always has a relationship with how buried, bodies are buried, pardon me. Um, but I do also agree with the level of protection, because, you know, there are so many different options to bury someone. Um choosing to do it in a cave does usually correlate with a sense of I'm either hiding them away so they're not in plain view or they're away from our everyday lives or rather because it is protection. I don't want people to be seeing them or walking by them. They need to be covered. It could be, you know, a positive or negative um, relationship, either hiding them or protecting them or anything like that. But it is the sense of they're shielded. They're, you know, there's a layer between the outside environment and the bodies, hence it being placed in a cave.
0: Now, I want to look at the differentiation in burial types. The fact that the subadults adults had such rich, high importance of grave goods whereas the adults didn't what do you think that this could mean i personally think with the rich grave goods and the younger individuals i think maybe that in this particular area younger individuals could have been of higher significance or maybe a certain kinship was built with these individuals where in which they were gifted all of these things in the afterlife maybe it's a way to represent their life as when they were alive maybe it's their way of representing the young being bright and vibrant with all these colors and all these artifacts and all these grave goods maybe that could be a signal to us of how they cared for their dead and how they cared for their younger sub-adults the adults, I find it really interesting that they don't have much with them. But I still think that in itself is an important key. Maybe that these individuals were of were still of higher importance. However, it's the way that they treated the younger ones and how they were brought out in their burials could maybe be how they were wanting to be represented. The younger ones having rich graves, whereas the older ones having kind of your standard grave, but still having that protection from the cave. And I think maybe in general, having the cave and having these grave goods could mean that these individuals were of some importance and some significance in these groups or in this area. What do you think, Claire?
1: I think that's a really interesting point. Um, Talking about our previous knowledge and a lot of different research, there usually is a level, obviously, of hierarchy in in most social populations, but also that it's very common that elderly people are usually at the top of the social hierarchy. Elders are a big thing where people are connected with them very personally, they look up to the elders, the elders are treated the best, Um, things like that I've noticed in a lot of other research. However, with the lack of grave goods in the older individuals and the more concentration of grave goods in the younger individuals in this research, that kind of makes me think that perhaps there's a different hierarchy going on here that maybe elders weren't buried with as much grave goods because they per died suddenly, perhaps they died of a disease or starvation or something like that, where they didn't need a lot of items in their grave to help them in the afterlife, or perhaps they were, it was a level of social status, they didn't ha- own a lot of grave goods in order to be buried with. Um, I would look further into information of any relationship between a lot of the subadults adults and the older adults. Maybe if there was an ancestral connection between some of them, it could be like the younger individuals accumulating more of the goods because it came from the old, older individuals' lives prior to them. Or perhaps, you know, the deaths of the younger um, adults differentiated from the deaths of the older. Again, maybe that could have had a connection whether they were placed with grave goods or not, based on the their mode of death, their time of death, or whatever things like that, whether whether they had a relationship with the other individuals or not, or perhaps they had their own social status while they were alive and acquired more wealth or had different occupations that came that helped them come into contact with the materials that were represented in their grave goods.